Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Open Gym Season 2. Today, we welcome Rebecca Ustrel from Curious Publishing based in Upland. She's also an artist who was born and raised in Inland Empire. Is that correct? Yep. Great. Okay, Rebecca, thank you for joining us today. I know that um, it's been a busy time for me and yourself, and I haven't <laughs> been on point with all the scheduling, but thank you for joining us today. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Um, from my end, everything seemed pretty seamless. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it didn't come off as not being prepared, so don't worry about that. <laughs> okay, great. I was like, this yeah. is, I'm going to seem so unprofessional. No, yeah. this is top-notch. Nice. I'm glad to be here. Okay, so um, I said that you were the owner and an artist. Mm -hmm. I said you were the owner of Curious Publishing and also an artist, but I know from my experience with season one, um, people do other things besides what I introduce them as. Do you want to talk about who you are as a person, what do you do, and where are you from? Sure. So I have grown. I grew up all over the IE. I'm one of those kids that was like, I was born in Pomona, but then I was raised for a while uh, when I was little in Ontario. So I was probably like, I think that I ended up going to like two elementary schools in Ontario. Then I went back to Pomona, and then I spent fourth grade to. 11th grade in Hesperia, so I went all the way to the high desert, which technically is still part of the IE, even though it's pretty different, like even the climate's different up there. And then I came back down to Upland and graduated uh, in 2008. So that was kind of a while ago now, um, but I kind of consider myself being from the IE just because I can't say there's like a hometown hometown. Yeah. Uh, but I did spend most of my childhood years in Hesperia. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that area. I know Ontario, I know Pomona. Um, is Victorville part of... Yeah, so there's uh, right when you go up the Cajon Pass, you get into Oak Hills, and then right after that, the first biggest town is Hesperia, and then it's Victorville, and then you have Apple Valley, and then like Barstow, and then it just keeps uh, going further and further. <laughs> so uh, growing up there was pretty rough, especially being into the arts. So um, luckily, I picked up like, violin and cello while I was up there that was kind of my first introduction into the arts uh, but there wasn't much of an outlet for looking at galleries yeah. or much culture out there unless it was like you know school plays there was a lot of school plays yeah. at different high schools and things like that but uh, honestly as much as I am into the arts now I wasn't really brought up in that um, that yeah. hub or surrounded by it much at all until I was able to travel on the train on my own from like upland to la so um. once we moved back down um to upland after hysteria uh whenever i was in high school in my senior year and i didn't really know anyone uh, i knew a couple kids and they would be like yeah let's just take them like metrolink to downtown la and like walk around and oh, take sure. photos so it was kind of you know whenever everyone had a slr camera to yeah. be cool <laughs> So that was kind of the first time that I actually started going to galleries and stuff was when I was already a senior in high school. So I feel like that's kind of where my interest in the arts started. Yeah. I know I'm kind of going on like a origin story rant, yeah. but it's, I think it's interesting. Uh, it's important to put into perspective, like that I wasn't raised around fine art at all. Yeah. It wasn't an important thing in the household. I mean, the art that I knew was like coloring books <laughs> yeah. I mean, now I understand that a lot of uh, like cultural aspects of my household were artistic, but it, it wasn't really formalized for me when I was growing up. 
Um, so I never really held on to the whole like cello violin thing, although I do know how to play the cello. Oh, sweet. <laughs> that's, that's one of my, my secret skills that not that many people know about. Uh, and that's just because, I mean, I don't have a cello anymore. You know, I had to move out, I had to sell it. And uh, I don't really have like a group that I would perform with, but that's something I might want to get into again. I do draw, as you mentioned, I'm an artist. Um, I barely started getting back into that recently. I kind of go in and out of focusing on my publishing projects. Uh, and then whenever I have some free time from like my hourly jobs, which I actually recently left, which I'll mention in a uh, second. Um, should I know. say congrats or yes. were you fired? I was not fired. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I probably was going to be fired from one of them to be totally honest, I've never been fired from a job. Um, so you're like, I'm off. <laughs> but I was like, I'm not feeling it. So recently I've had some time to do some art, but before even just a month ago, I was working 40 hours with between two part-time jobs, you know, oh, shit. the struggle of a lot of people trying to pay their bills. <laughs> so I worked a front desk at a hotel in Claremont. It's called Hotel Casa 425. And that was a one day a week job, just Sundays. Super easy job. And then I worked at an oil and vinegar store, also in Claremont, and I had worked there for like four years. But as everyone has experienced, customer service during pandemic is a little rough. Yeah. I wouldn't say the customers that were there were super friendly. <laughs> and maybe it's because I couldn't relate to them at all. I mean, they're paying, you know, $40 for a bottle of oil. <laughs> Not really somewhere where I'm even familiar with. I mean, I was pretty poor growing up. So I think just over time, um, from March to like October, I was really getting worn down. Um, being there eight-hour days, opening the store and closing the store, working alone for hours and hours. Um, I mean, basically, my spirits were just pretty low at some point, and a couple of customers mentioned that I didn't seem very friendly. Oh. <laughs> Never said anything bad to anyone. You know, I can still be polite even though I'm worn down. But, you know, it wasn't the type of person they needed to be working in a store like that. So yeah. I just kind of decided to step aside. <laughs> didn't want to hurt the business. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a little scary. I mean, I didn't have that regular income that I'm used to. But, I mean, I looked at Curious and how much it's grown since, you know, the end of 2017 to now, even through the pandemic, I still see our books selling out, people being interested in it. I have yet to pay myself from the company, even though it was making a gross income. And I was just like, you know, it's time that I like pay. reap, the, <laughs> reap yeah. the benefits of my own work, <laughs> even though I was trying to hold out as long as possible because I really want to get a brick and mortar opened. Oh, so I'm kind of supplementing a little bit of that income, but I'm also, I've also already sold some art even that I started creating even a couple of weeks ago. So I have a lot of gig work going on. Yeah. Uh, I also take on some graphic design clients and some social media clients. So I'll, I'll do little projects for people and that's how I'm surviving Make, uh, right now. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that art, like you weren't really raised in art. Um, so was owning like your own publishing company always a dream of yours? I would definitely would say no. I, I didn't even think about it until like right before it was created. But I had always wanted to be
be in the arts in general. I think like my first ever real dream was being part of a major orchestra <laughs> since uh. I was in orchestra for so long when I was a kid. I was like, man, I want to perform for at the Walt Disney Concert Hall. Like that was uh. my like first dream I ever had. And then after that, it was that I really wanted to own a gallery. Like an art gallery? Yeah, like an art gallery. But then I kind of hung out with a few gallery owners or people that are in that business and it just kind of wasn't for me like I don't know if I want to be a critical curator that is really it's to me it seemed really all about who you knew you know I didn't know anyone literally unless it was like one of my art professors so it was a little intimidating and I'm like that's a pretty pie in the sky dream and then I heard about like the non profit route of it where you get like government funding and then it's really about the community but then you know there's not much money in that approach so really the publishing thing came about because I started to get into like zine fests and zine culture so I went to the LA zine fest I went to the Claremont zine fest which was uh, put on by Pitzer College I believe pretty small one there's the Pomona zine fest which is independent and I just thought it was I mean, super clever how you can pack in so much talent into such a small space at a zine fest. I mean, and they're out there doing their hustle, making their money by putting their art into more affordable mediums like in print. So I just something just kind of clicked where I was just like, you know, this is basically like a little mobile gallery, like you're printing your comics or your artwork into prints or something that's bound together that I can just buy for five to twenty dollars and i own your art like yeah. it's it has that um reproduce quality which w- is kind of the point in in zines in the first place is to try to get your message to as many people as for as little as possible diy style but i saw so much potential in that format especially since it was thriving so much despite everyone going digital everywhere else like yeah. there was still that want for prints to put on your wall or um just uh, something that's a little... Like a coffee table yes, book. Yes, maybe a coffee table. Yeah, everything from prints to a coffee table book, like that's what existed in the Zine Fest. So I wanted to kind of harness the energy that I was feeling and the excitement. And just that format in general made me want to make more art, which I thought was pretty important because it's hard to find a way when you're working full-time jobs and you not necessarily have the capital to open your own business, but you want to be part of this big movement, and it's so approachable and affordable. So that's kind of where the idea came about, where I was like, you know what, I would love to throw a fest like this maybe, but then have s- some kind of booklet that goes with it so that people remember everyone that was at it. Oh, I see. So the first event that I actually threw was like that. It was vendors but the vendors were actually featured in the first curious magazine and it was like a summary of their works uh some people were highlighted and then the point in the book was that it was super affordable and the price would be uh, used later on to fund the next event and there was always some kind of calling card for that artist in there oh so it was like a networking tool to be honest between artists like a LinkedIn. Yeah, and a yeah like a printed LinkedIn. And there was also the Instagram page that went with it that kind of reflected all the material that was in it as well. Cool. Um, you, you mentioned that you were working like in art galleries. How did that come about? Like, did you study for that or did you just meet someone and then just got a foot in the door? Well, I never really formally worked in art galleries. I just was around 
people that were either represented in galleries or had friends that worked at nonprofit galleries. Uh, and I never went to school for art. I actually don't have a degree still. <laughs> my degree that's like my, my AA degree that's like literally one class away that I haven't had the time oh. to finish is in sociology. Are you going to go back for your degree? Uh, it's in an ideal world. Yes, I, <laughs> I definitely want to. There's no like feeling in me. That's like, no, I don't need to do that. Uh, I don't feel like I have to do it, but I want to, um, I just, I, I always feel, I think I'm always going to feel slightly left out until there's some kind of formal uh, stamp yeah. <laughs> on what I'm doing. Uh, but as I go on, even like my professors or my mentors or my collaborators that do have degrees keep telling me that it's not necessary so I'm just like is that true though like I feel like there's something that I'm missing especially getting those bigger connections or getting people to take me seriously sometimes so do the bigger connections have that like seal of approval a degree or uh I think that it's not so much the degree but it's the associating yourself with the people uh, that are in the know or in the industry yeah. is something that you don't get by just going to openings you know what I mean like yeah. you're, you're not in the I if I could imagine like you're not in the formal setting where you're taking each other very seriously and there's an action being taken to raise you up to that level or to get some kind of internship which usually only comes with a college uh, but on the flip side which is really ironic is I'm giving internships through Curious Publishing uh-huh. and they're through colleges <laughs> so yeah. I'm like I'm already on the other side of it so I'm just kind of like, do, do I, I stay here? This? Do I need it to go there? Am I going to be that rare, <laughs> never went to college person? Yeah. I think it's important to represent that group of people too. People that don't necessarily want to get the degree or never had the chance to like I did yeah. so far. <laughs> that's true. That meant that's a really good point. So I'm kind of um, ethically like there's a little dilemma there all, all the time. I'm like, do I do it to set a good example or do I not do it to set a good, good example? example. <laughs> do I just be a good example? I'm overthinking this. <laughs> yeah. No, I think you are a good example of what you're doing. Um, can you tell us what Curious Publishing is about and the values of the company? Of and do course. you think that's helped you stand out with customers? Yeah. So when Curious started, it was just an art magazine, basically. I mean, it's a, it's a half format, 5.5 by 8.5 size. And it was stapled, and I hand-stapled it, but I had it professionally printed. So it was just kind of like, uh, I was like, oh, let's choose a theme. Like, the first theme was millennial pink, because it was like a trending color. And an article came out about it at the time, how millennials like this pink color. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was really interesting. I wanted to investigate it. Um, but over time, the themes grew into more social justice-based, because that's where I saw my peers and my interests lying. Like, no, I think that we should maybe discuss gender issues in art, um, you know, queer artists, women artists. The re- most recent issue was BIPOC artists. So just it kind of naturally morphed into a more social justice-leaning uh, title. And... Because of that, I decided that I actually want to focus on uh, women, queer, BIPOC artists uh, mainly. So whenever we're getting approached by an artist that wants to create a book, uh, I always prioritize those underserviced artists first because I just feel like, especially being from the IE, uh, you know, first of all, access to the arts is hard out there in terms of putting yourself on a platform that people are actually going to see. It's the visibility problem. And most of the demographic is like 
basically me. Like I represent my own demographic, you know, Latina women or, you know, a lot of my friends are queer. I have family members that are queer. Uh, everyone around me is, you know, some BIPOC identifying artist. So I kind of just put it on myself. Like, do I really want to be focusing on people that maybe already have the establishments and resources yeah. Or should I be focusing on everyone else, which actually makes up the majority of the population in the IE, especially where I'm from in, in Upland. So that became the umbrella focus was artists that identify that way. But then after that, I, I want to always make sure that I'm presenting something that is not played out. So I'm not really into... I know that like our first issue was Millennial Pink and it was literally about a trend, but I've, I've not been leaning towards trendy things anymore. I'm just like, trends come up naturally in art. I don't think that I need it to make it a prompt. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. I'm not sure if that completely answers the question, yeah. but that is kind of the ethos of the company is focusing on underserved and upper, underrepresented artists. And that's through Curious. So Curious and there's another title, Abeam, which is more on lifestyle and culture. It's a bigger format magazine. Those are the self-titled under Curious Publishing, and that those are always compilation magazines. But we also make books for creators that either want to do their own compilation with their We're peer group. Like we recently did Calamity with Aaron Longsleeves, and that was his hub of artists and musicians and you know a, a demographic I wouldn't have been able to tap into because that's like his inner circle. But then we also have independent artists like Mariah Green or like Gina Imani who have their own works of art and enough to fill a book with it. And that's it's kind of my job to assess um, their needs level. So do they need help with designing or do they just need help with marketing or do they just need help with e-commerce like or do they need it all? And then they get paid for it. Like yeah. we, we figure out a fair commission split and, you know, they're getting paid out monthly for their work where otherwise they would be handling all the weight including purchasing books which aren't cheap <laughs> books aren't the cheapest thing to make um but it's kind of awesome that i've gotten to this point where we have money in the bank to front costs of things like this oh, so okay. that the artist don't have never has to take the risk yeah um so during when we met this fuck. <laughs> <laughs> when we met last time you said that you were um currently hiring on two employees for curious publishing which um, shows that you're definitely growing. You've also mentioned that you're also giving out internships through colleges, which is also really cool. Um, so it, it kind of speaks to the fact that you are growing. Has that always been easy or was that, was uh, that just no. now? Or? So funny enough, like I think I've always needed the help, but somehow needing help is actually more work for me <laughs> <laughs> because... And maybe it's just because I don't want to do something where there isn't results. I've always been very, like, strict with myself that way when I have a project. and kind of like, I don't know, teacher's pet type of person. <laughs> just kind of like, well, it has to be this way. Like, I've always been that way. Um, so whenever I first realized, like, oh, man, okay, we're growing. I can use some help. I was like, well, if I don't have, like, written job description or set my expectations, then my result's probably going to be worse by trying to incorporate someone that really actually wants to help. 
So because <laughs> it would be like all over the place. Yeah, or? because I, I know how it is whenever people have helped me or asked me for help. And I'm just kind of like, well, what do you want me to do? And they don't know what they want me to do. Yeah. And then I just feel like I'm floating around and maybe the experience wasn't as valid as it could have been. Yeah. So it took me until just like maybe two years ago to start really like writing descriptions of roles of people that I would need and the first couple came in through internships through Chafee College so I had like a copy editor and then I had a, whenever there was events happening we did the vendor events there was an event coordination intern and they would handle logistics yeah. and then the copy editor would literally just do that read raw copy that I would send them in docs that would eventually go into the magazine and they would just copy edit it um, and then recently I realized that I had some funding to pay like on a stipend basis. So I was like, well, okay, I feel like I can get a really like some good pe people that are, like I can actually pay. You can't really say that about a lot of little indie projects, but you know, we've been around for a few years. Like, let's try this out. So I, it kind of came naturally. Like I had, um, for the, the last issue of Curious BIPOC, uh, I had Mariah Green, a uh, guest curate. And then I had Sherry Jackson, who had worked for RCC Muse, which is their like quarterly chat book. It might be biannual. I'm not sure how often they print it, but it's, it's almost the same format as Curious since size. There's pictures and writing. And she was doing, I'm not sure exactly her role, but she was working on that writer's staff. So I was like, well, that's oh. awesome. And she actually approached me through like DMs because I posted on Curious, like, does anyone want to help with the next issue? Uh, and also reaching out for help was making myself and the company accountable. Like I can't be an echo chamber of my own tastes. Like I really like, aside from just my friends saying, Oh yeah, that art's cool. You should have this person in your magazine. Like I didn't want it to become like the Rebecca show. Oh, I didn't I think it was going that way, but I had like this creeping feeling. Like if, if I'm going to start saying like, this is a BIPOC issue or a women's issue or whatever, it can't just be from my perspective. So I asked them to guest curate for BIPOC, which was the last issue that came out for Curious. And we worked together as a team so well that I decided to just transition them into the stipend positions. So I was like, well, Sherry, are you interested in being copy editor, you know, for the next quarter, next, you know, next three months or yeah. the next year. <laughs> we kind of just casually talked about it and she was like, no, I want to be the head editor. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, really? <laughs> so it was kind of a little bit of like playful back and forth. And I was like, well, if you want to, if you want the name head editor, you're going to have to do more than copy editing. You're going to have to like be the final eyes on the magazine. Like, are you ready for that responsibility? And she's like, oh, absolutely. And I had seen her work before and her work was excellent with Curious. So it was like a no brainer. It's like, okay, you can have this position. And Mariah, um, I believe she's in curatorial studies where she goes to college. And uh, if she's not in a formal program for that, I know that's what she wants to do. Um, but I haven't really figured out like that position totally. So yeah. I, I, but I wanted her, her taste, which is kind of curatorial. So I, so I offered a freelance journalist position where she's going out and finding specific artists to highlight in the, in the issue. So they become the special features, but Mariah and Sherry are actually really close just as friends. So they're going to curate their own publication eventually under curious. So oh, I'm kind of like creating this like nurturing environment for them, which is a pretty awesome yeah. feeling. So they are the first two official Employee, employee employee well you know it's not really an employee because they're gonna get stipend oh. 
it's still independent but they're the first people to ever be paid regularly through curious so we're getting there i actually have a fiscal sponsor company that's working on the formal paperwork to make them official employees so oh i see because i'm actually not an official employee i'm you know i still just pay myself a stipend and figure taxes out on my own because we haven't formalized all that paperwork yet but yeah that's the next step <laughs> formalizing all the paperwork yes making it all government official paying no. taxes on it oh, no. <laughs> you know that kind of thing but that's okay i mean that's like a pretty big step i'm actually really excited about it cool. yeah. um so i know that you mentioned that you left your um both of your jobs or just one both, both I, I do not have an hourly job right now oh no nice. <laughs> um you left both of your jobs which is probably obviously really scary to do especially when you have bills to pay And I'm assuming that when you started this as well, there was like some tough times not knowing how to go about it or like budgeting problems and stuff like that. Can you talk about some of like the the tough times and how you overcame those? Sure. Yeah. In the beginning, I mean, inherently it was tough because it was like, okay, how are we going to find $500 to print this? (laughs) Like that's kind of a big (laughs) chunk of change. Even if you have a pretty well-paid job, maybe you don't want to use all your extra money for the month yeah, to fund this random idea you had. But I mean, I took that risk. I felt a little crazy, I guess. I was like, you know, let's just do this. <laughs> and uh, so I raised like half of the money, but then I was like, there's gotta be a way to incorporate. Like I, I really like when I look back at it, I'm like, I hope this wasn't like a pay to play situation, but like I would be like, okay, if you want to be in the magazine and do you want to like have this show where you can be a vendor, like just pay me $10 or $15 to be a vendor. So we actually ended up using that vendor money to fund the, the printing, oh, okay. which was pretty cool. Um, most of the time we found free venues, which isn't always ideal. You're not going to be at a really cool place for free. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know, we're going to be in a yard here somewhere, but it's local and people can find it and we'll try to dress it up. So uh, in the beginning, whenever we were having these vendor pop-ups, they honestly weren't ideal. <laughs> we didn't have any staff running it. It was just me being like, okay, put your table here. <laughs> okay, clean up after yourself. Or, you know, should you be drinking? I don't know how old you are <laughs> type of situation. It was got a little scary. I'm like, okay, well, you know, what am I going to do about this? Should I start hiring security? You know, because we'd have a pretty good turnout. Uh, but kind of luckily, uh, I had the arts area our fiscal sponsor they approached me because they went to one of my pop-ups and said you know do you have any interest in formalizing your company a little more because we can help you with insurance and like permits and things like that so they actually covered a huge need legally (laughs) um by our third issue i believe okay so we had been producing it for almost a year and they kind of came in start helping with that Uh, but more recently, um, in June, right in the middle of the pandemic, where I was living in Pomona, there was a house fire where I was living. Oh, like, yeah, we're yeah. not just talking about like little house fire, like our house burned down in the middle of the night. And that's where all of the property for Curious lived, like all of our books, all of our tabling huh. equipment, ourselves, <laughs> our clothes, yeah. our, our pets, like everything we ever owned, basically almost all of it was destroyed. I actually lived right at the front of the house and the fire started in the back of the house. So my roommates lost everything and the fire never actually reached my room, but it did like cake everything in smoke. So when we were like escaping the fire at 4 a.m. in like middle of June, it was actually like June 24th, I think. 
Like I managed to grab my computers and my external hard drive and my passport, <laughs> my purse, and that's it. Clothes on my back. I didn't have shoes on, which really sucked. I like couldn't manage to find shoes. <laughs> I think it was like slippers or something. Tell. It was well summer, uh-huh. so it was actually pretty warm outside. And you know, within a matter of hours, I didn't have any anything like any of my own stuff except for you know the computer honestly was like pretty lifesaver because i everything that i did was backed up on there so i was like at least i can reproduce the Which curious is, magazines uh, or even the print shop could because they they had those files you know but you know going through all that like devastation of losing all your property including including all my art my drawings you know the cats were missing for a while oh, that we no. had all the books were burned like that was like pretty harsh like situation to be in but me being a survivor like really into like okay what can we do like I think that I've always been a really good problem solver especially being poor growing up I'm just like well there's an answer for everything you know when the fire was starting to go sorry it's okay so you know when the fire was barely being put out I actually made a GoFundMe through an app on my phone. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, it was still kind of happening. And I just, like, took a picture of the fire, wrote a really quick description, you know, because my friends, they didn't have any phones or anything. Actually, no one knew what was going on except our neighbors. And I just posted it on Facebook and posted it on Instagram. And then I made one for Curious Publishing. So I made one for myself and I made one for Curious Publishing. And within a matter of, you know, a week or so, most of the money actually came that day. We actually were able to fund completely replacing all of our books. So, oh. so honestly, like I wouldn't be here without our community, our yeah. fans, artists that wanted to happen. It was huge moment of, you know, it was really humbling, but it was also really validating that I was doing something that people actually want. Yeah. But you know, and that they support such a you, not freaking expensive. Like it costs thousands of dollars to replace everything, <laughs> and it was just books. So I was like, "Wow." By then, did you have the insurance from your fiscal sponsor? Yeah, but we didn't have fire insurance. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> we have liability insurance for like events, like if you know someone gets hurt while yeah. you're throwing an event in public. But it's one of those things you think you don't need. You yeah. don't think about like, do I need fire insurance? Like, yeah, apparently you do. <laughs> you know yeah so yeah cool um you've you mentioned a couple of projects that you worked for for curious and then other artists do you have a favorite one that you've published so far oh i can't play favorites yeah (laughs) but i i mean i do have like ones that are were recently really exciting so calamity was really exciting magazine that we just put out it was a nine by uh eight and a half by 11 so full format it's like almost 200 pages covered with film photography interviews artwork of uh aaron uh, who's also an artist he curated the whole magazine you know all of his network of people and it had a really awesome release party it was kind of like a release party at vital pomona and then right next to it we went to a gallery where there was a show of uh, an artist that was featured in the magazine oh. and there was a DJ and everything and everyone, you know, followed the rules, masked up, yeah. <laughs> social distance. And we had kind of like a little party about it. And it was just so cool to see, you know, a guy in his early twenties 
you know, this isn't this wasn't his first time making a book. He actually did one independently, but he wanted to really beef it up this time and make it look more professional. So I was happy that I could make his vision come to life, and that like you know a hundred of his people just showed up to party yeah. with him. Like that was awesome. So that's kind of why I do it is to see. It's like it sounds a little cheesy, but like it's their dream, and I'm like helping them make it yeah. come true. But I'm not getting in the way of it either. Like I also don't want to like be in their way it's like really about them yeah so calamity was really awesome they're actually thinking about reprinting it and doing a tour for it because it did so well it actually sold like out in different cities yeah um and i'm pretty excited about whatever mariah and sherry <laughs> my oh, employees nice. are are brewing up they're they're doing something that's similar to calamity in that it's um from their perspective a compilation magazine uh, but they're both just such good writers and have a I think like a perspective of the IE that we really haven't seen yet in art. Maybe we have, but <laughs> I, just, I really trust their eye. Yeah. So I'm excited about that project as well. It does not have a name yet. <laughs> that's still in the works? Yeah, that's still in the works, but uh, we'll be posting about it soon. Sweet. Probably we'll for the ready. summer. Yeah. So you started off Curious Publishing with a good cost and you still keep that cost. Um, but what impression do you hope to leave on everyone that you've worked with? Yeah, that's kind of a big question because I'm always wondering, <laughs> you know, what did people think of the magazine? Am I helping or am I hindering? Do people really need this? And I think it's a healthy thing to, to ask yourself, you know, you never want to get in the habit of just assuming that you're helping a community, but you might be maybe not really listening to the need, their needs at the time. So I hope that, first of all, the artists that work with me come away from this with a real either feeling that they can use the tools that I helped them with or to look at our team as some people that they can really trust with their artistic vision uh, as someone that will simply do that, provide a platform to amplify their voice and not to, you know, reflect some weird vision we have of what their art is. Like, I really want it to be from them, from themselves, and just reaching a bigger audience. So uh, that's what I hope artists come away from their experience with Curious if they're working with us. And for fans and patrons, I want them to always be excited for what's coming next. I want them to be like, you know, I bought this Curious Magazine and I was not expecting to connect with this many artists that live, you know, right down the street, uh, a couple towns over. Um, maybe my cousin or my sister would benefit from this. Maybe they could find an internship through Curious. Like, I want to be able to find a place in everyone's household somehow yeah if it has to do with arts That's so, cool. so That's i really hope that the visibility of curious is amplified as much as it has been so far okay um what is the long term for curious publishing and yourself as an artist and as a person so i'm hoping that roughly within a year and a half maybe two years we'll have our physical print shop opening in the IE. Locations TBD. It's usually the first thing everyone asks me, like, well, where is it going to be? Although I really want it to be in Ontario. You know, I'm in Upland. I really think Ontario has that projected growth. There isn't a presence there yet, and I really want to 
create a presence there for the arts and culture, you know, bigger than it is right now, especially with the youth, (laughs) you know, not to be like, it's the young people, but it's, it's really young people that drive, you know, traffic and, you know, you you want their groups hanging out there because, you know, they're the future. They're the people that are going to tell you what they want in their communities and, those are the artists we're reflecting in our magazine. So I really want to draw those people in. So that is going to look like literally us producing our own books with our own print machines. So we're actually creating a capital campaign that we'll be launching pretty soon. uh, That will be funding different aspects of the shop from printing equipment. And that's printing as far as the actual magazine, all the way to handmade block prints that artists can use the studio to create in our space. So if an artist wants to make some merch, you know, we want to be the shop that they can come to and create that merch at, even if it's shirts or embroidery, different things like that. Yeah. And we're also going to serve as a hub for our nonprofit sponsor and the other projects that they sponsor. So, you know, there'll be an office in there for Artlands, an office in there for Print Pimona Art Book Fair. And it'll really be a place that people can go to. We're going to have a cafe in there, ideally. Grab a coffee, check out the exhibit that we just produced in the print shop and buy books from local artists. It sounds like it's going to come full circle. So uh, I can see it. So that's like a good sign. I'm like, it's going to happen. It might take longer than I think it's going to happen, but that's that's my goal is a year to a year and a half. And eventually, I want that to be my full-time job. I want to be a true owner-operator working in there, knowing how all the machines work and expanding a team so I can actually provide jobs in the community. Like, that's really important to me. I hate whenever my friends move town because there's nothing there and you know you can't blame them there isn't much there for for artists and i I really think that there's such a good opportunity for that so that's where i see myself is publishing forever (laughs) (laughs) i want to be there running the printing presses and stuff kind of old school um and i want to hire a team Uh, and i i also want to be able to even further set my own schedule and develop my own art. Sweet. So I think that obviously this is the only way I can do it is if I could just really make it happen myself. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you're on the right track, so yeah. hopefully. Yeah. Just got to not let, you know, weird capitalism get in the way yeah. of things. <laughs> like, you know, having that, that hourly job is really hurting me. Like, I don't have that extra money. I can't just, like, go clothing shopping or yeah. eat whatever I want anymore. I'm cooking more at home, but it's... I like it. So yeah. I'm liking it so far and I think I'm going to like it even more whenever I'm setting truly my own schedule and then, you know, but reaping the fruits of our own labors locally. Like that's the ultimate yeah. goal in my mind. So Wow, that's yeah. really... I, I, I wish you nothing but the best. Um, that concludes this episode. I thank you again and if we can ever work together again, um, I yeah. like that. I appreciate that. Yeah, this is awesome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited for everyone to listen <laughs> thanks yourself yourself included <laughs> yes i will listen to it even Great. though i hate my voice <laughs>